The following is a presentation of the Premier Dance Network. Hello and welcome back. Thanks for coming to chat. I am your host, Barry Corollis, and you are listening to Pa the Chat Talking Dance on the Premier Dance Network. In this weekly podcast, I candidly offer educational conversations and thoughtful analysis on all things dance. With my vast background as a director, choreographer, instructor, and dancer, I am happy to share my 15 plus years of experience with you, whether you're a professional dancer or just listening in for an insider's look into our fascinating art form. So, put your earbuds in, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and let's talk dance. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to you all. Thank you for tuning into yet another episode of Pod a Chat Talking Dance. I have had a very interesting week. Uh, finally, something that's sort of been very different than what I've been doing this entire summer. I've been working with a small group of dancers uh, associated with Nickerson Rossi Dance in Westchester, Pennsylvania. Um, and they brought me in to do a choreographic residency. So as a part of this residency, I've been teaching classes in the mornings and then I've been working with the dancers in the afternoons. So it's been really nice to get back in the studio with some professional dancers and to work uh, in stretch and stretch myself as a choreographer. Actually, most of the work I've been uh, commissioned for recently to create has been more in the vein of classical ballet um, or neoclassical ballet. And I was actually asked to create uh, a work in the vein of contemporary, along the lines of contemporary and contemporary ballet. So it's been fun to get to stretch myself in that way as well, because I want to be well-rounded. So that's been very exciting. Um, Beyond that, if you want to take regular classes with me, again, I teach at Broadway Dance Center on Fridays at 6 p.m., Advanced Beginner Ballet, and through the 10th of September, I will be running basic ballet classes at 6 p.m. on Sundays at Broadway Dance Center. And then if you're in the Houston area, uh, you can come and take a master class with me while I'm choreographing on the Uptown Dance Company. Um, I'll be running a contemporary and a ballet master class on Friday, August 29th. Is that correct? I think that's correct. And then Saturday, August 30th. Whatever the last Friday and Saturday at the end of the month are, the, those are your ones. Okay. So that's my class schedule coming up. Um, it's been nice, like I said, to, to have a, a little bit of a change of my my crazy summer schedule. I've even gone to, to have a couple of afternoons and evenings to myself. Shocking. Um, all right, so on to this week's episode. So I always like to talk about things that I'm, I'm going through in that moment or during that time period. And I had a moment today while I was working with those dancers at the, the choreographic residency uh, with Nickerson Rossi Dance. And I had to, I, w- I was creating a, a section of my work and I wanted to reach my hand in uh, around the chest of one of the dancers. Um, not like the tatas, but like right above in the chest. And <clears throat> right before I did it, I stopped and I said, are you comfortable with me reaching out to your chest? Um, and she looked at me, the dancer looked at me like, um, do you really have to ask that question? <laughs> and I had a moment because I, I've been working mostly uh, with with students, younger students lately. Um, and in my open classes, it's more just uh, teaching ballet. And uh, I mean, I have professionals in those classes, but it's just teaching ballet. It's not a choreographic process where you're going to have different 
moves and steps and things like that that could put you in a precarious position or in touching people in a way that might come off as sexual if you weren't in a dance studio. Um, so I, I didn't realize that I have kind of at times forgotten what it's like to work with adults in the studio uh, choreographically versus working with students in a, a young, young, younger students. I mean, they're students of all ages, but younger students in the studio. Um, so I wanted to chat with you about that today. Um, so yeah, I actually remember when uh, there was an apprentice that joined Pacific Northwest Ballet, and he had been in the school, so I had become friends with him while he was in the school, and then he became an apprentice, so he went from working with students all the time to working with professionals. And after the, his first couple weeks with the company, I asked him what what was most surprising to him uh, with the transition from working with some kids and some young adults to working with mostly adults. And he said the number one most surprising thing to him was how overtly <laughs> sexual and raunchy people can speak in the studio and how uh, much more open of an environment it is when it comes to touching in the studio because, I mean, if you think about it, dance is a very hands-on art form. Uh, even if you're just doing a very classical uh, piece you're holding hands um, and as we've gone into more contemporary expression um, instead of having that distance between the bodies that you now have uh, <clears throat> romantic movements you're holding each other you're doing pressless with your legs like sliding up the woman's legs and right under her ribs and sometimes you slide and you accidentally touch things you don't mean to so the the studio environment is actually quite open uh, in most other workplaces it would certain things would probably be considered sexual harassment just saying um but due to the nature of our work uh these things are usually they just you don't even notice them unless it's something that's very aggressive or uh done at an inappropriate time where you're not in the studio or working on a specific thing um so yeah, so that was a very eye-opening comment that I heard from, from my friend in the company there. Um, and then once I started to transition out of my performance career and I started working with students, younger students again, um, I started to notice that I had to kind of like rebox how I acted and thought in the studio. I mean, I kind of have a potty mouth. <laughs> I keep it mostly calm here because I don't want to have those little E for explicits on my podcast, but I kind of have a potty mouth. Um, and in a dance studio, it's common. Somebody messes up and it's not uh, unacceptable to drop the F-bomb. Um, and that's all around from staff and administration to, to the dancers. Um, in a dance studio with younger kids, you have to remember that you have to, you're a teacher, you have to be this like upstanding citizen that is passing on the craft. But it's, it's difficult because there's this line between being appropriate, but also making sure that the, the kids are prepared to progress into a, a more adult environment once they enter a studio. Um, and it's really been a struggle for me at times. Um, I mean, well, let me clarify so that it doesn't sound too open-ended. But, um, I mean, I was able to rein in my language. Uh, every once in a while, I have had a, a word slip out here or there. And usually it's with the older kids that are like 15, 16, 17, 18. And I'm so apologetic and they they often just giggle. And they're like, we hear this stuff all the time. It's not that big of a deal. Um, but a big 
thing that that really has come up for me as a teacher, especially a male teacher, is uh, touching in the studio. So, and this is a difficult one because you do eventually have to prepare your students to be touched in partnering, um, whether it's classical partnering or contemporary partnering. And like I said, contemporary partnering is much more uh, all over the body than, than classical partnering. But I am a firm believer as an instructor, as a teacher, as a dance educator, that because dance is such a physical art form, you have to be hands-on. But I've encountered issues at some places that I've taught where they don't want me to physically correct the students. Um, so I've become very detached from, I mean, I, I am hands-on. I'm not going to say I'm not. I'm still very hands-on. But uh, when I'm working with anybody that's under the age of 18, um, I do my best when I'm correcting them to only use the sides of my hands. There's something about fingers that uh, appear very sexual, that they could be confused. Um, so I generally use the sides of my hands, um, and I make sure that I stay very far away from any private areas and things like that. But I've had teachers, other teachers, I've had parents and even directors tell me that they don't want their kids to be physically moved. Um, and really, I mean, I haven't continued teaching in those places because I don't think that you can learn that way. Now, it's interesting because when a kid is at a local studio, this stuff generally is either frowned upon or uh, it takes time for the kids to get used to it. Um, but once you start to progress onto your finishing training into uh, different programs, uh, like for instance, when I went to Houston Ballet, I remember, <laughs> I mean, they are hands-on. Their hands are, the teachers are like moving you and fixing you and making sure that you know what it's actually like to dance correctly. Um, and then also... The language changes because you're maturing, so people start to talk in a different way. I remember <laughs> uh, Claudio Munoz, one of my favorite teachers as as a kid. Uh, he's the, now the director of HB2, Houston Ballet's second company. Um, and it was my second summer, and we were doing a variation, a solo from the the Ballet Laurentia, which is practically a dead ballet at this point. It, it's very infrequently brought back. Usually just the bigger Russian companies do them, um, more like an archival process. But um, there's a series of double tours, two air turns, if you don't know what double tours. Turn around twice in the air, you jump up, turn, and you land, and then you have to... Uh, go back into fifth and change your feet and you do this multiple times and I wasn't getting enough force to get around multiple times I was able to do it once but then I'd lose the force and I remember so I have like I said I have a potty mouth now but I, I didn't at the time and what ended up happening was he asked me he didn't ask me he made me scream the f word every single time that I jumped into the air and because he wanted me to have such force and such aggression so that I could get enough energy to go around in these these turns and uh he had me scream the f word and I was very shy about cursing back then I didn't and I was maybe 17 years old um but this was a really eye-opening moment for me because the energy and the force that doing that actually what the, the energy and the force of, of that exertion of the word, it actually got me around and it, and it worked. So the next time I did it, obviously I didn't curse, but it was that idea that I needed to have some type of aggression going into it. Um, 
if you ask that of of younger students, obviously you don't want twelve year olds doing that. But even if they're sixteen year old students, but they're in a smaller school setting, that often would never fly. It's inappropriate. But there's almost a certain level. There's a certain progression as you go through levels in the dance world that you got to buy in a little bit to the process because dance and art, it's not all as straightforward as you might think it is. And it becomes more than just doing steps. It becomes an emotional process, a a way of uh, thinking about doing things and all of that. So um, your training definitely changes over the years, but if you don't get out of a small or school, it's very unlikely that you'll you'll know that, and so it can be confusing as a teacher going into a studio with the advanced level and knowing how far you can push those students and what their comfort zone is and where parents and, and directors and whatnot will complain and where they'll go, wow, this is really an intelligent way to go about it, even though it's unconventional. Um, so yeah, uh, once you get into uh, a professional setting... Um, this all changes because we're adults. So it's just the idea that you have to you have to keep a very fine line between where you're where you are with the younger ones, the ones that are in their finishing training, and there. Um, another thing that I think is uh, an, an interesting difference between training the younger ones and the more advanced ones into the professionals is imagery is quite a, an important part of our art form. There are so many things that I know that uh, I would never have understood if a teacher wasn't able to explain uh, a process through imagery. Um, let me see if I can come up with an example of that off the top of my head. Um, for instance, let, let's say this. This is one that I've actually been using a lot lately. Um, in balance, I, I often see that there are these general structural things that aren't working um, with my students. Um, so what I tell them is that you have to make a, a four-wall house in order to have uh, even the foundation to begin working on your balance. So if you think of it, you have four-wall house. The first thing, the floor is already there. You're standing on the floor. So from there, you have to press your arch fully extended because if your arch in releve isn't fully extended, it can fall down or it can actually fall forward. So you have to press that heel up and then forward over the big toe and second toe. So that creates pressure or wall on one side of your body. Then the because you're turned out, you have to fully extend the back of your knee because if you are in the middle, you might straighten and you might bend. So that creates a wall of pressure on the other side of your body. Then from there, you have to squeeze your, your cheeks. Yep, that's your butt cheeks, not your face cheeks. But you have to squeeze your cheeks together so the pelvis neutral neutralizes and that your legs are actually pulled into your torso and supported. And when that does, that pressure pushes your pelvis forward and you get a wall in front of you, a wall of pressure in front of you, and then you pull your abs into your spine, and that puts the wall behind you. So you have the floor, you have a wall to one side with your arch, the wall to the other side with your knee, a wall forward with your rear end, and the wall back with your abs. So those are your four walls. But in order to complete your house, you have to have a roof to put pressure on those walls to maintain them in their place. So you put that roof, and that's your shoulder engaging down into your torso. And if you're fully aligned and everything else, there are other parts, but um, then you, you're able to, to balance. So there's an example of imagery for you. Um, 
And the thing is, imagery doesn't always work as well for kids. Um, I think that some of the best training for really, really young ones is just repetition and you have to grab their bodies, you have to move them around, make sure that they're going in the right position and you have to just keep on doing it over and over and over and over again. But as you get older and children's minds uh, and teenagers' minds start to develop, they can understand sim simple imagery. And then as you go further, um, it can be very helpful once you become professional. Now, also, a bunch of my... I, I teach everyone from... <laughs> I have some students that are 9 and 10 years old, and then I have some students all the way from <laughs> teenagers, pre-professionals, to professionals, all the way to open-class adults that never danced professionally in their life, their lives and maybe started dancing uh, in their adulthood. Um, so, yeah, I find that, especially for these older dancers, imagery is like... It's like smelling perfume that you just think smells delicious. Um, they they eat it up and it makes sense and it actually is very helpful for them. So it's interesting having to uh, teach using the physical adjustments and then seeing how also the verbal teaching, how it progresses over the years uh, working from kids to adults. Um, yeah, the last thing that that I, I want to discuss here is it's it goes back to that idea of like um, go, teaching choreography. I, I choreograph. I'm often brought to do Youth America Grand Prix solos uh, for students, um, and then for uh, young pre-professional students, I do choreography for groups, and then for professionals, I do choreography as well. Um, working choreographically with students because many of them haven't gotten comfortable with their bodies yet or the idea of romance or had even experiences in their lives that can even give them any idea of what that's like. Um, it's very different because you have to almost always have that sort of classical distance when you're choreographing for, for anybody under the age of 17, really. 18 also. Um, I mean, also, it would be really awkward to see, like, true if you truly got two 16-year-olds to dance Romeo and Juliet, um, I think that <laughs> the authorities may be called. Um, but yeah, so it's that idea. But then when you start working with professionals, it's almost like I said, anything goes. Um, but that's also where the art starts to blossom, because you are starting to as adults, we're having different experiences and our, our, our treasure chest of experiences only grows vaster as we get older. Um, so we understand a lot of different things and movements and how a little stroke of the face could mean a lot or how grabbing somebody lustfully could remind somebody of an experience or something that they yearn for, all those types of things. Um, so when you're working with professionals, kind of like the experience that I had today, it's the boundaries start to blur and it's it's really just making sure that you're respectful and that when you are working in the studio, um, that's kind of when anything goes, but that you know that there is a line that you shouldn't be doing things on the side uh, unless you're rehearsing and you're both aware that you're rehearsing in that moment. Um, so, yeah, I was caught off guard when she was like, why would you ask me this question about putting your hand on my chest today? But um, it was also refreshing because, I, like I said, I've been working with kids so much lately that it reminded me of my time working in the studio. And some of my favorite roles that I did were <laughs> some of the craziest roles, like getting to dance Mercutio, who's just boundless energy, has no boundaries, um, and 
can be very sweet at times, very comedic at times, very vulgar at times, and all that. So, um, I feel like this is just kind of a Uncle Barry talking time today, um, <laughs> because I just wanted to sh sort of share my exploration, my experience, because I'm constantly evolving as a, an educator and um, uh, as a choreographer, and it's been really interesting to see how when I first started teaching and choreographing uh, outside of my professional career that I acted very much like I did in the studio, and over time, the cultures that I work in and around started to sort of put me in this box of what's acceptable and what's unacceptable, but really what it comes down to is each and every place that you go to has a different culture and some things might be acceptable and some things aren't. But as long as you're respectful, you don't cross boundaries that are very obviously clear legal boundaries. <laughs> but you also do the best that you can to help promote your art and to help inspire uh, passion in future artists, but also to make sure that they are prepared when they go into a career. Um, that's that's really what I feel like my job is, and that uh, it takes it'll probably be a lifetime of cult cultivation as I as I figure that out. So I'm really curious uh, what most of your uh, or many of you who have had teaching and choreographic experience, whether it be recreational, pre-professional, competition, uh, professional. Um, any any genre of dance, um, what your experiences have been like, and if you've had times where, uh, whether you're male or female, that you've been told that you should not touch the students, you should stay away from them, um, or if you've been uh, told that something you said was inappropriate, uh, that you would never think was uh, inappropriate. I think I said the word booty at one school, and they really didn't like that. I thought that was more appropriate than butt, but they didn't like the word booty. So if you have anything that you'd like to share with me, um, as always, please do reach out to me and uh, either get to me on my, my contact page on my website, which I'll give you in a second, or you can go on Facebook and message me. Um, I'd be really curious to hear, and maybe I'll mention uh, one or two of those if I if I do hear from you in a future podcast. So uh, with all that said, I hope that you enjoyed uh, everything I talked about today. Like I said, it was kind of an Uncle Barry talk time, but I wanted to try something a little bit different. So I, I didn't have really as, as much structure and I wanted to freeform here. So um, I think that that's all I got to say today. So I, I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode of Pod to Chat Talking Dance. If there are any topics you'd like to hear me talk about, please feel free to reach out to me via my website contact page at www.barrycorollis.com. Again, that's www.barrycorollis.com. B-A-R-R-Y-K-E-R-O-L-L-I-S. You can also reach out on there if you'd like to become a sponsor for our podcasts or to book masterclasses in ballet or contemporary technique for choreography or speaking engagements. I hope you enjoyed listening in and talking dance with me. If you enjoyed this chat, please feel free to share, rate, and review our podcast on iTunes. Every bit of extra visibility helps keep these podcasts running. And if this didn't fulfill your dance fix, check out my sister podcasts on the Premier Dance Network. You can find those at premierdancenetwork.com or on iTunes. New hosts from your favorite dance companies are being added monthly. If you want to connect with me to see where I'm choreographing, teaching, and what I'm doing in my everyday life, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, where my name is B. Corollis, or on Twitter at Bariscos. Also, be sure to subscribe to my blog, Life of a Freelance Dancer, where I've been writing about working as a freelance artist for over five years. I also have a YouTube channel, B. Corollis, which features 
my own choreography. Thanks for listening in to Pod of Chat. I hope you return next Friday to Talk Dance With Me. And remember to go out and support your local dance scene.